Have you seen this? It's Home Alone with a tiny horse. Welcome to Have You Seen This? The world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. (laughs) And what a horse. What a tiny horse it is. Yes, rest in peace, King. (laughs) Ragtime the miniature horse. Really the only notable thing about this movie. And about uh, his hometown of Thousand Oaks. That is also true. Although... Uh, Thousand Oaks is also the origin point for Amanda Bynes. So there's that. Uh, we hope From you're doing okay, show. Amanda, wherever you are. Um, yeah, and I think, isn't it, uh, let me think, that's, well, what else is there notable on it? They have a Thousand Oaks, that's kind of cool. Yeah, give or take a few. Anyway, I'm here with your friend of mine, Bitter Corella, uh, our recurring guest, uh, just here recently to talk about Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. And we're delving into some more kids media. I guess this is aimed at kids because I don't know anybody older than eight who would want to watch this except me and Mike. But I mean, yeah, it must be aimed at kids. Otherwise, I cannot I cannot for the life of me fathom why this movie exists. If yeah, not for kids. Um. <laughs> I have some theories, but we can get into that. But what are we talking about, Mike? Well, we're talking about a movie called The Adventures of Ragtime, which is about a horse. But I, I think there, there's background on this horse, as I understand. This horse is a, is a, is a celebrity in his hometown of Thousand Oaks. Yes. Uh, the, the town that I grew up in, um, a very nice, bland, wealthy suburb about 40 minutes north of Los Angeles, for those who aren't familiar and as I recall, in about 87 or 88, there was a news story going around that I was certainly interested in because I love horses and I was horse crazy at the time and I haven't grown out of it. But uh, there was a couple who were keeping a miniature horse named Ragtime in their house and the neighborhood was not zoned for livestock or whatever. And uh, someone on the city council or whatever got wind of this, and they cited these people, uh, the Fairchilds, for having this miniature horse in their house, because they said, they were like, you can't, you can't have a horse in a house. It's a horse. And they were like, but no, he's a tiny horse, and he's very well behaved. He's house trained, and he does little tricks, and he watches TV. And this eventually blew up into a big legal battle that stretched out for about three years and the Fairchilds finally won the right to keep their tiny horse inside their house and then they have to move to Simi Valley God knows why if you've ever been to Simi Valley but that's pretty much the background that is uh, my introduction to ragtime because uh, Jen was explaining this this the story of ragtime to me yeah i think i was high and i was babbling about this tiny horse yeah and um 
there, there was, it was, and it was quite a, quite a to do. Uh, I believe actually the court case involved them bringing Ragtime into the court so he could, uh, you know, demonstrate in front of the judge how well behaved he was. And they also brought in like a Great Dane, a random Great Dane who who shat on the floor or something. Yeah, the so, Great Dane apparently just like fucked up the courtroom, and Ragtime just kind of sat there being polite. I feel like that is such an obvious ruse. That like if the judge fell for that, he's just a class A rube because it's like, oh wow, he's more better than this dog, this random dog they brought in that's very poorly behaved. Oh, it's like yeah, I wonder why Ragtime's lawyer brought in that dog to prove that the horse is more well behaved than the dog. I mean, come on, did I mean do they do they have to like <laughs> have an expert like testify like no no that's normal for a dog that's how a dog acts like how do you establish that that is you know, standard dog behavior, this un- this poorly behaved dog. But anyway. Well, nowadays um, it would just be somebody's emotional support animal that has no obvious training whatsoever and created havoc, except it would probably do it on an airplane or something like that. That's true. I mean, that's the thing is like this, but this is, this took place in 1988. Back in 1988, there were still rules, you know, things, <laughs> things still mattered. In the year of our Lord, 2023, almost 2024, when nothing matters anymore, of course you would have, like, probably a dozen, you know, awful little, like, emotional support animals just shitting on the floor. And, you know, people being like, it's actually very problematic for you to say that my dog can't shit on the floor. That's actually very ableist. Yeah, Um, capybaras, peacocks. um, Yeah, mass hysteria. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now, all of you are probably wondering why we're going on and on about this horse. Well, the horse appeared in a movie. And jumping off from Mike's anecdote about the courtroom, talk about a scene that would have been a slam dunk for a kid's movie about a miniature horse. I have no idea why they didn't just tell the story of Ragtime, because it is the kind of trite stuff that you would put in a kid's movie because there's always a, a mean authority figure that that is put against uh, some kind of cute animal and then there are children who ally with the animal and the mean authority figure is defeated and the animal yes. gets to live its life with the child or whatever. So imagine a movie where Ragtime the mini horse is being pestered by the awful Republicans on the Thousand Oaks City Council (laughs) and, you know, being cited by the Ventura County sheriffs or whatever. And, you know, just kind of creating a, a ruckus whenever he goes to like, I don't know, Whole Foods. (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, Caneo Creek Park. Everybody's like, oh, I love this horse. But, you know, the the, the cops and the, the mean people on the city council, they hate this horse. They don't want this horse around. Uh, and, you know, comic hijinks ensue and then it all gets resolved and there you go. And you could definitely have a scene where a Great Dane fucked up a courtroom. Like, you know, shits on the judge's robe or something like that. Mm-hmm. That would be great. But no, instead, in 1998, we got a movie called... The Adventures of Ragtime, uh, produced by, I believe, um, Patty Fairchild, um, one of the people who owned and trained Ragtime, and which has uh, some slumming 
noted actors, uh, Shelley Long and Kay Lenz spring to mind. I feel horrible for both of them because this is trash. But Mike, do you want to kind of lay out the plot of the adventures of ragtime for our audience? So the story of ragtime is there's a family, not the Fairchilds, the blue family. And <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, there's a mom and a dad and three kids. I don't think the actual ragtime people had kids. Uh, from what I understand, they're never mentioned, but well, that would, have... that would interfere with the time they spent promoting their miniature horse. That's right. Because the um, horse made a ton of appearances in, you know, various TV shows and whatnot, and only more so when this whole legal battle started up. I mean, that's why they gave him his own movie then, so. Yeah, like, I think Joan Rivers talked about Ragtime yes, on the show. Yes, I, I do remember that. Ragtime, I think, uh, she talked about him during the legal battle, and I think she said something like, Oh, can we talk about these thousand oaks <laughs> politicians? Oh, they suck. Ugh. You know, I mean, she's um, right. <laughs> yeah. So she was very pro ragtime. That's why I think um, that's why the because because our legal system is so easily gamed. You know, I think the, the judge was like, it was kind of a miracle on 34th Street thing where it's like, you know, you I don't care what you do with all whisker puss out there. But if you rule that there's no ragtime, everyone's going to hate you. <laughs> so um, I think, all right, you can keep your horse because actually, I think just a few years later, there was a second miniature horse uh, being that that someone had in their house, and thousand, and they were trying to argue that because ragtime was okay, that uh, that that set precedent. And I think the they were like, no, your horse is not as popular, so we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna let that happen. Again. It kind of was the case. I think it was actually like a pair of miniature horses, and yes, it did not go as well for that family as it did for the Fairchilds. I mean, it just goes to show, like, you know, yeah, justice is for sale in this country. Um, Amen. But that's why, well, that's why when we were discussing Ragtime, we were talking about we should, they should make a Ragtime movie. We should make the Ragtime movie and make it like a court drama, which, of course, ends with Ragtime melting the icy black heart of the judge and, like, he declaring you that, I declare horses are good. And, you know, <laughs> something like that. And um, and uh, Cynthia Rothrock should be in it. Yes. And that's why after that, we actually looked up and found out that there was a ragtime movie, which did not go that incredibly obvious and good route. And instead, it's a story about, as I was saying before, the Blue family who has a, a horse named Ragtime. It's Ragtime playing himself. And um, also a dog named Taylor, who was also played by... The dog that the ragtime, the Fairchilds had. Apparently, they also had a dog named Taylor. Who... Yeah, it's like a little, um, it's like a little Sheltie, one of those miniature collie-looking yeah. dogs. And it almost makes you wonder. Wait a second, that that misbehaving dog in the courtroom? Did they just train their own dog to be a shit? And like, is was this all a setup? Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I don't think. I think the article actually said it was a Great Dane in the courtroom, not a not a Sheltie. So that, well, so yeah, that. like uh, any smart lawyer is going to go for the biggest dog possible. Oh yeah, yeah, probably something to really threaten that judge, you know. Um, <laughs> really, it's so. on his leg. <laughs> so, um, so the Blue family they have a horse named Ragtime. They have a dog named Taylor, and. Um, there's there's problems in the family because the dad is like, oh, I gotta work, I gotta do work, I can't be here for your baseball game, son, because um, it's a '90s you know 
dad, 90s movie, made for TV movie dad. And that's what they do. And uh, and he's like, I'm going to sell I'm going to sell the ragtime. And the kids are like, no, we love ragtime. I love that part because like it's he he just decides unilaterally that he's going to sell the miniature horse. And it's like, okay, like the dad's already on thin ice because he's like not home a lot or present for his family. And then he's like, you know what? Like my kids really like these animals, but I think we'd better if we got rid of them. It's like, wow, dad of the year right there. Yeah, it's very his reaction to the animals is extremely strange because it's like, okay, we have it's like, oh, the animals, the kids are too attached to this miniature horse that we treat like a pet and lives in the house. Yeah, that's what kids do with pets. I mean, that's how they work. What did you expect? It's also very weird because ragtime is obviously a very well cared for animal. He has the, the bloom of good health. Uh, his hair, his mane and tail are always combed and he's trained. He does lots of different little tricks, you know, within a horse's limited repertoire. Right, um, right. Mostly pawing at things or playfully picking things up in his teeth. Things he like that. He does kick a ball at one point. Right. Now, to have an animal like that in your house implies a very sincere commitment from the people who own it and the kids don't even really factor into it because like kids um you know kids can beg for a pet but they don't because they you know they don't pay for its food or its training or anything like that like they're not really the prime movers on that like the parents would have had to commit to having a tiny horse in their house yeah and it's it's just it is very weird that especially because like when the kid is like looking at the horse and the dad is or talking to the horse the dad's like it can't understand you it's just an animal it's like you know you really you don't seem like the per- sort of person who would get any pet let right. alone a miniature horse which does require so much extra commitment. Um, That's exactly oh. right because you're and nothing against the Fairchilds like I don't I don't know them and. I I do agree that they should be able to keep a tiny horse in their house because I would love to be able to keep a tiny horse in my house. I would love to have a capybara in our hot tub. And it's fucking unfair that the state of California won't let us have one. But that's, that's the nanny state for you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, gruesome Gavin. I mean, that is the problem with California is this is a this is a state that's all like, oh, you know, we love passing laws. Laws that help people? No. Law- <laughs> laws that are just like extremely annoying and just like, you know, like, mm, well, mm, you're not allowed to have sugar now. Mm, it's for your own good. It's like, oh, shut up, you know? Yeah. So I my, you know, my heart is basically with the with the Fairchilds on this this issue. Yeah. But. And if you look up Patty Fairchild, she's on LinkedIn. She's still an animal trainer, like working in the, you know, the the TV and movie industry. Obviously a person who's very passionate about animals. And no one in this movie, and we're leaving out the kids because kids are different. Like kids are just like, yay, animals, you know. None of the, the adults concerned in this movie, like don't, seem like animal people like 
ragtime might as well just be a dog because a lot of times parents will be like, yeah, you know, the kids wanted a dog. So we get a dog. We told them, you, you know, you got to take care of it. You got to be responsible for it. You got to feed it and put water in the bowl and you got to walk in. They did that for like two or three weeks. And then mom ended up having to do that. So now it's kind of like mom's dog. So we're stuck with this dog. Yeah. You know, the dog is a family member, but not this um, unique, cosseted, coddled uh, member of the family as the way ragtime is. Yeah. So it's, and it's weird because this was the, the, the people who own ragtime had a hand in the production of this movie that none of that occurred to them as like a jumping off point for the story. Yeah. I, I really feel like this was originally someone had a script for a dog movie and they were just like, hey, do you want to, we got this horse. Okay, just just put a horse in it. We'll, we'll just change to a horse. Because, you know, the kids, they act like, they're like whining, oh, I don't want to have to feed ragtime. Where, you know, you feed ragtime. And it's like, yeah, these are clearly kids that are not really that committed to their animals. Um, and, yeah, and they because act like, the, yeah. Only, um, the only member of the family who really seems devoted to both Ragtime and Taylor, the dog, is the annoying bowl cut child. Yes. Uh, you know it's the 90s because there's a bowl cut kid. Um, <laughs> and he wears like a little little coveralls through most of the movie. Um, his name is, is Barkley, which was extremely confusing to me <laughs> for the first 20 minutes because they keep saying – they keep calling – ragtime rags but pronouncing it kind of mumbled so it sounds like max which is a quintessential uh 90s made for tv movie kid name they always name them max or True. jack you know so i thought the kid was max and i kept and, and then there and barkley i'm like why are they calling ragtime barkley you know which is a totally Ooh. a dog name but like yes. i'm like i'm confused what's going on and it took me a while before i finally figured it out this is not a complicated movie, so <laughs> this should not have been so confusing. Yeah, well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was also confused when I was hearing the name Barkley in this movie. Because yeah. I was like, wait, like, they've said the horse's name is Ragtime. But someone is saying, because there's a scene near the beginning where the... the the youngest kid is is playing with ragtime in a ball, and the this this horse is so smart. This horse can fetch. That is a smart ass horse. But anyway, they're playing fetch, and I hear this little voice saying, "Barkley, get the ball! Barkley, get the ball!" And I'm like, "Who? What? The horse is named Barkley. It's ragtime." And I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, the horse talks." Yes, uh, and this definitely has the stink of uh, in post production. They're like, oh, yeah. yeah, we don't have we don't have the confidence in our shitty horse movie. Just <laughs> dub in some lines for the horse, and because half the time the horse is like talking when the horse is not on screen, you just right. hear this voice from out of nowhere, just just saying, "Hey, I, I everybody, I Barkley, it's me, I, it's me, Ragtime," you know, and the, the horse is nowhere to be seen. So it's like, okay, they dubbed that in afterwards. Uh, also, more evidence for that fact is that Shelley Long went on record saying she was not informed that the horse would talk when right. she signed up for this. Which is funny because it makes me think that that would have been like a breaking point for her. Like, <laughs> like She's like, yeah, I'll be in your shitty horse movie, but the horse can't talk. I'm not down with that. Like, that's ungodly. I don't, I don't know what Shelley Long is like, so who knows. But like, I... 
Or, or it's more well, likely Well, obviously that she's as... not picky. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel like she is an actress, so she may have a sense for, like, you know, film and and seeing the horse talk on screen, just, like, realizing, oh, no. Like, whatever small amount of dignity that you might have been able to retain <laughs> in, like, a kid's movie about a horse that, you know, is now completely lost. Because now you're like, the horse is just, you know... It's also confusing because the dog also talks. Yes. The dog and the horse, uh, they seem to have the same voice. Yeah, the dog is just a little bit higher pitched because it's it's smaller. Yeah, I was getting really confused. And I was like, are, is it the same voice actor for both the horse and the dog? Or I mean, you know? it might as well be because, the fa- as you mentioned, this does not appear to have been scripted. And yeah. the actors themselves were not aware that the, the animal would speak. It really does speak of post, uh, post-production post interference. It's kind of like that thing. Uh, isn't there like a Patton Oswalt bit where he talks about like doing that kind of ADR for movies? Like yeah, just saying like, like dumb random shit to kind of like give the soundtrack a little bit of a pop. Yeah, yes, I remember that skit where he's like, you know, you're you're looking at it's it's a Auschwitz and him being like, I haven't seen this many ribs since Tony Roma. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, if the jokes in this had been that tasteless, it would have been more entertaining. But instead, yeah. it's just like the horse saying snotty little things like, whatever, and you're stupid or whatever. It's it's so, ugh. and yeah. it does seem to indicate that. The people who made this film were not confident in their product <laughs> once they, you know, started looking at the work print or whatever. Which is very funny because the, I'm sorry, this is a movie for small children. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you've got animals, you've got slapstick comedy. You really don't need much more. So it's really funny that they looked at that and they were like, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if kids the let, let me add. Kids, the dumbest marketing demographic, <laughs> like the dumbest consumers of all, will will gel with our movie. We need to add something more. They uh, were uh, they were looking at a rough cut, and they're like, "Oh gosh, I don't know." I'm like, do you think this will play with Academy voters? <laughs> it is great because, like you said, they just add the the horse is just literally going out like, "Oh brother, everyone's so stupid." It's like <laughs> these aren't even jokes. Um, yeah, and. This and it, you know what the the and the gold standard for that for post production last minute horse dialogue was really set by another movie we talked about on our show a while back, um, Hot to Trot, in which John Candy stepped in for Elliot Gould as the voice of the horse and actually did like a pretty fucking good job in my opinion considering what he had to work with. <laughs> Well, this is no hot to trot. Yeah, at no point does Ragtime say, you'd move your lips too if some stagehand was shoving a carrot up your butt. (laughs) Which would have been great, but we're not Uh, that lucky. No, no. um, Pretty much uh, Ragtime is... An annoying little shit. Yeah, Ragtime is not like a uh, a likable character in this. Um, (laughs) I think... Oh, one second. Uh, my, speaking of animals, my cat just decided he wants to go out of the room, so I've got to open the door. Meow, that's right, oh, you well. meat sack. Okay, he went. <laughs> Is there anything an animal loves more than 
standing half in and half out of a doorway that you would like to close. <laughs> it's a liminal space. Yeah. So, the, so you know, it's, it's attractive to cats because it's like, ah, I'm between the worlds now. <laughs> it's like I'm between the hedges. My dog um, also likes to split the difference. He's like, oh, you would like to close this door? Well, what if I lay down right in the doorway? How about that? <laughs> I bet Ragtime would not do that, though. <laughs> well, that would actually be a cute and funny thing if there was a bit where they were having to let Ragtime in and out of a door. or <laughs> yeah, And, you know, because the, the, the animal can apparently open doors. I mean, albeit with a fake head, but we're assuming this for the purposes of the movie. Like, imagine a bit where someone closes a door and the horse keeps opening the door. <laughs> like, that's, that's like, kind of relatable to... It. Like, if you have a dog or a cat, like, yes, you've experienced the phenomenon of the your pet saying, I want to go out. Oh, wait, let me back in. Oh, wait, maybe I want to go out again. No, I don't <laughs> like it out here. Let me in. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful dance between uh, pet, companion, and, and human. Yes. As people who know me well know, I am a lover of horses. I did not get over my horse girl tendencies, as so many do. Um, in my case, it's a, um, it appears to be a uh, a chronic illness. I I don't like horses. Yeah. Well, you're afraid of them, so no, no right. I'm not afraid of them. He's I'm afraid just... of horses, folks. I uh, I like the way I have this thing. It just sounds like when people are talking about homophobia. He's like, oh, it's not that accurate. I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of them. <laughs> I'm not scared of horses. I just, I just hate them. I just think, I just think horses. Look, I'm just saying. I think horses should go back to where they came from. You know, I'm just saying. We don't need them here. America's full. <laughs> yeah, oh. like you know, all, they should send all the horses back to the steppes of Mongolia and then there just you go. fence it off. But um, I love horses. I do love this horse. He's very cute. But the voice just grates on you. And there were, and I got to a point where, like, the, you know, the 20th time the horse had done something devilish while giggling, I was like, okay, like, um, at this point, I would be calling the, uh, the kill buyer. Because, goddamn, this horse never shuts up. <laughs> just call up the, uh, the knacker man. The knacker man with his knacker van. You're knackered, <laughs> horse. Well, now I'm curious. Uh, I, I should have looked this up, but I'm going to do it now. Who is the voice of Ragtime? Because I just assume whenever I hear an annoying cartoon voice, it's one of three people. You right. Know, it's usually either Cree Summer or um, what's the other person? Uh, you know, It was Frank Welker. No. Oh, well. <laughs> <Nuts. you know? laughs> I, I bet he could do it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, what can't Frank Welker do? He's uh, the man of a thousand voices. Okay, so... Uh, it was Maurice LaMarche. Well, luckily, Imagine if the horse talked like Orson Welles. <laughs> that, that would actually kind of be cool. Um, it's it's very difficult to find this information on IMDb because IMDb is uh, hot garbage now. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. It's actually Cam Clark. Who's that? Uh, who is a uh, a... Uh, a, a veteran voice actor who has done lots and lots of stuff. Um, I can't remember a single thing, but I have definitely seen his name around. I'm quickly scrolling through his IMDb, trying to find uh, anything that... Uh, he's in a lot of video games. Oh, okay. 
he apparently he's the well voice i know how much of, you love video games yeah he has the voice of leonardo from ninja turtles as well as rocksteady oh wow those are those are big cartoon names he'd been a lot of starcraft monster high um damn okay uh rainbow bright as murky <laughs> we all love murky yeah everyone everyone knows murky boy he's been in a lot of monster high um uh, <laughs> Lego Batman as the Green oh. Lantern and Martian Manhunter. Oh, wow. And, Big names yeah. for DC. Probably the only uh, good DC properties at this point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he's he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been around for a long time. Uh, this I won't say that he's I won't say that he did a terrible job. I'm sure right. he did exactly what they told him to do. Right. I'm sure they said, hey, we want like a really kind of you know, annoying kind of, um, little, little shit voice. And he was like, <laughs> can do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like just, just imagine a demonic elf running around, but it's got a mane and tail and four hooves. Yes. Um, uh, now we have not actually gotten into the main meat of this movie. The main <sighs> plot is basically the two bumbling the main crooks. horse meat, the main horse meat, <laughs> the two bumbling crooks kidnap, uh, ragtime, and it basically turns into Ransom of Red Chief. Yeah. Uh, with lots of wacky Home Alone style slapstick. And that's basically it. And this is how shameless the uh, the production company is. Because they they uploaded this to YouTube. Um, Showcase Entertainment, I believe it's called. And we'll link it if you want to see this, this uh, pile of manure for yourself. Um, in the description, it says... Ragtime is a miniature pet horse and the kids love him, but villains Sam and Lester think Ragtime can be their meal ticket. They kidnap the horse for ransom. The family is worried, but before you can say, home alone, Ragtime outsmarts the bad guys who are then happy to be hauled off to prison. I love, they don't even like try to cover <laughs> up the fact that it's very much a ripoff of home alone. Yes. Um, and you know, uh, home Home Alone, I don't know how much it has stood up. I mean, I thought it was hilarious when I saw it the first time, but I was also like, you know, eight years old. Right. So, I also loved Home Alone. Yeah. And I think probably a lot of Home Alone is is just, I mean, it's it's a movie with a, uh, a bigger budget and also probably more competent direction. So that probably helps it. As well as the fact that, uh, you know, Joe Pesci and was Daniel Stern are yeah. you know, pretty talented comedic actors for, you know, uh, whatever else other problems they may have. I, uh, the mo I will always treasure the moment when Kevin puts the tarantula on Daniel Stern's face and he just does this high pitched scream directly into the camera. <laughs> I mean that that is pretty funny. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's sim it's a simple gag, but effective. Now in this movie, our our bumbling crooks, and if ever you have met a pair of bumblers, it would be these two. It's uh, they are played by Shelley Long, whom you obviously all know from Cheers and from uh, Troop Beverly Hills, right. and um, uh, I uh. Probably other things. I, I don't know what else she's been in. <laughs> Poor Shelly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, didn't she play the mom in the Brady Bunch movie? Oh, she did in the movie. I think she did. Which is, um, that movie is funnier than it has any right to be. It's actually legitimately very funny. 
I often get Shelley Long confused with Shelley Duvall because they kind of have a very similar vibe. Ooh, I would like a movie where they were cast as sisters. I, I mean, I would believe it. I would believe they were sisters in real life. Yeah. Um, now, the other bumbling crook is played by Jay Thomas, who um, I don't think it, our listeners will remember as much. He is a guy who is, if you were, if you lived in the 90s, if you were in the 90s, uh, and you wanted to have, if you wanted to have a failed sitcom, call up Jay Thomas. <laughs> like he was in every failed sitcom. He, I think his his major claim to fame was a series called Love and War, which uh, I that actually I, rings a bell, but it's a tiny little miniature horse sized bell. I used to watch it when I was a kid because I was, you know, I I grew up uh, in. Um, my parents were in the State Department. We moved around. We usually watched. Uh, we got AFN, which is uh, uh, Armed Forces Television, you Oof. know, for the Army. And they would just they would show whatever sitcom they could get from the states. And it was weird because a lot of the things they would show were things that failed immediately in the U.S. <laughs> but they were just like, but would run forever on AFN. So we got <laughs> they to watch. Were, the they show. were dumb enough to give the 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 studios and production company money for those like awful failed shows oh yeah yeah so we got to see the entire run of love and war where uh jay thomas and annie potts are like a feuding couple because like he's he because she's like you know a cosmopolitan like liberal and he's a human macho guy who likes smoking cigars will they or won't they love and war so and it's Tuesdays like hearts of fire but shittier yeah it's it's like the Oh shit! Did you say like Hearts of Fire? Yeah. Oh my God! We watched the entire run of Hearts of Fire. Too. <laughs> Hearts of Fire creates love, desire, going higher, higher. That show fucking sucked. Ass. <laughs> oh my God! It was just like Linda Bloodworth Thomas is like, oh God, I gotta jerk off Bill Clinton some more. <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, Marky Post deserved better. She deserved so much better. John Ritter deserved John, better. Definitely John Ritter. I. I remember watching that show and John Ritter, he's a divorced dad with his like these two. Oh, my God. These two fucking shitty ass corn pone sons. Like, like, you know, when they say large adult sons, yeah. these two were <laughs> these two were large child sons. Like they, they were like, I don't know, like like these two. Ch they were like Linda Bloodworth Thomas was like calling up central casting. Like I knew these two children who were like made entirely like of compressed spam because like <laughs> these kids like they came in and they were just like hot like like they would talk to their dad and like these you know john ritter being a normal guy he talks like a normal guy and his children talking these awful like mush mouth corn pone arkansas accents and it was just like what the fuck what is it i mean seriously like Linda Bloodworth Thomas went down to dog patch and like pulled these two out of the hog waller. And we're like, yeah, now they're on TV anyway. <laughs> um, sorry for the digression about these two awful children who I hated so much. Cause why, why is their dad talking like a normal person? And they talk like Southerners who are not normal people, by the way. Well, it's here. It's apt that you mentioned that actually, because in this movie, our two villains are, there's no other way to put it. Stereotypical redneck idiots who make everyone on Trailer Park Boys look smart. Yep. yep. Um, which is hey. weird because, okay. And I know that there was no effort 
in made with this movie to give it any kind of a regional flavor. Um, it's Southern California and Southern California stands in for a lot of places. And yes. I do recognize the Ventura fairgrounds in this, uh, a couple buildings that I believe I've been in many times. Ventura County Fairgrounds. Uh, yeah, it's funny because yeah, both are yokel. They have like they have really bad Southern accents in this. Well, and that's 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 what gets me because and like you kind of you couldn't actually do this unless it was like maybe a um, maybe a show on FX or something like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where you can kind of push a little bit. If this had been, like, a couple of, like, Salvadoran, like, small-time criminals, <laughs> <laughs> like, because, and, you know, hear me out, because it is SoCal, it's Ventura, we have a large Hispanic slash Latinx population, why not go for a little bit of regional color? <laughs> and I know like, oh, but we can't, we can't show Hispanic people being like uh, criminals, like just get some really good comedians, develop the characters, like kind of show why they commit crimes because that could be interesting. Like yeah. people, like people like this aren't pushed to desperate me measures just because they're dumb idiots like they are in this movie. Like, People turn to crime because of, like, you know, generational trauma, like, they're not employable for whatever reason, they have executive function disorders, etc., etc., etc. Like, if this were, if this were, like, a family from Satikoy that were just, like, desperate, I would be I mean, like, okay, that's actually interesting. And yeah. if there's maybe a twist on them, like, trying to get the, the miniature horse from these, like, this upper middle class family from thousand oaks but we're supposed to we're supposed to we're supposed to align ourselves with the suburbanites and this is made pretty explicit in the movie when there 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 are a couple scenes which cut from sam and lester are idiot redneck villains with goofy music on the soundtrack and then ah here is the Here's the Blue family, like, pulling up to the driveway of their beautiful home with their horse trailer. And there's, like, very tasteful piano music. And the lawn is so manicured. And then, oh, 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 oh look, oh, oh, these two, these two dumbasses trying to steal a trailer. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, Sam and Lester are in this, I guess, they are comically poor. They... They live in, like, not even a trailer. They live in what appears to be, from the outside, a derelict ice cream truck. Um, <laughs> you know, the inside is obviously, like, a soundstage because it's way bigger. But, you know, they, they are, like, so desperately poor that, like, they're stealing, like, oranges from a farmer's market for groceries. And it's actually, like, really kind of sad. You're like, kind of like, well, I mean, you're, you know, like, I... I I feel like they 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 really they made them so like uh yeah destitute that you're like I mean you kind of feel you kind of feel more for them but they are stupid so you know they deserve it they, right. they probably like um 
uh, they deserve everything that happens to them. Even yeah. though most of them, you know, uh, um, well, I guess like that to understand like Lester is uh, Jay Thomas. He's like a dumb guy, <laughs> and Shelley Long is playing uh, another classic uh, flavor of bumbler, which is basically a G-rated skank as kids film. <laughs> Who loves wigs? Oh yeah, she loves. Actually, that's probably why they're poor. They spent all their money on wigs. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, know those, if you ever shop for wigs, those are not cheap. That, yeah, yeah, that is true. I know that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's that's it's like the drill quote where it's like, "How please someone who knows how to budget, please help me. My family's <laughs> My dying. My family's dying. <laughs> Stop buying wigs. No." Yeah, like um, it's they're not an avocado. They're not an avocado toast family. They're they're wigs family and yeah hence their though, economic difficulties though i do like that apparently like they watch like lester is watching tv and he sees a news report about the ventura county fair where a news reporter is like this horse is amazing and lester's like we're gonna kidnap that horse <laughs> that's our tic- <laughs> meal tickets like what why okay why would you think that like people i see a lot i mean you know it's I see news reports about the county fair all the time. I don't see someone who's like, you know, some some kid has you know, raised a pig, and I'm not like I'm gonna kidnap that pig and be a millionaire. Okay. <laughs> Actually, oh I my do... god, a movie where somebody like tried to keep a like a fairground pig in their house, like, and you have you seen how big pigs get? I've seen, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> like the kid, the pig just like. Fucking up the inside of that house like a great day in a courtroom. Oh my god! That, with its giant pig balls, that would be hilarious. <laughs> I do also think it's funny that that uh, that news reporter who's doing the report also has a wrist thick southern accent. Yeah, which makes me wonder if like the movie producers were like, "Oh yeah, where's this take place? Southern California? Oh yeah, that's right." <laughs> Yes, um, there was a there was an awful split during the War of Northern California aggression. <laughs> it's like Ventura County will rise again. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of goes back to my point of like, you know, why not set it in a in a definite place? You know, like, um, and you know, Thousand Oaks is it's 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 pleasant, a little bit of a bland suburb. I don't know, Ventura's got some character. Set in Ventura. It's a nice seaside town. They got a cute, like, downtown area. There's beaches. Like, imagine the horse on the beach. I mean, doing cute horse things. They they probably did it in Ventura County because the actual ragtime, like, lived in Ventura County. But considering this has no relationship to reality at all, (laughs) why bother? Well, yeah. It's like, it's like, who cares? Like, you're not doing the ragtime story and. You're not setting it in Ragtime's hometown, so I mean, he, hey, they could have they could have set this in Wisconsin or New York State, yeah, or, or Albuquerque, for all that matters. Yeah, they do. Uh, this movie makes a lot of, I won't say like weird decisions. They they are kind of weird, but like it's it, this is a kind of movie where no decision really makes you like raise your eyebrow because it's a stupid children's movie so you just expect dumb things to happen for no reason sure i know we're all used to movies like this just going beyond punting just like oh who cares like get 80 minutes of something 
put it on a DVD and put a dog on the cover. Like, fuck it. Sell it, sell it to Tubi. Like, it doesn't matter. But I don't know. Maybe, you know what, Mike? Maybe I'm just too close to the story because I'm so passionate about horses and Ventura County. I just, I care too deeply. And it hurts <laughs> me to see the material treated in this way. This rich wealth of material just wasted. I mean, honestly, yeah. I Like you said, I think if this was done as a courtroom drama, I mean, I won't, it would not have been good, but it would have been very appropriate and funny. Yes. Know? Like it would be like to see to see the actual ragtime story done is, as a kid's movie would have been fairly, you know, uh, entertaining. At least you could have the at least you'd have the based on a true story tagline thing. This is just like, why even bother? This is a generic, very generic movie. Um, it's funny because the 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 bumblers like after they have kidnapped ragtime, they're like, hey, there's an abandoned mansion up the road. Let's take him there. And it's like, why aren't you living there? Why are you live? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Why aren't you squatting? But that's how that's how stupid they are. Is yeah. That they're, and th- it's weird. It's like a whole abandoned mansion, like pre, like crash of two thousand seven. It's a different time. Yeah. It's it's obvious they were like they real the filmmakers suddenly realized this horse can only raise so much havoc inside an ice cream truck. We need like a larger <laughs> set for horse mayhem. So they go to this abandoned mansion. I, I think maybe they say that like the guy's on vacation or something, but like still, why aren't they squatting there? Um, and yeah. uh, you know, the horse basically what, it, you know, he does a lot of kicking them in the balls and shit like that. And they fall <sighs> down. They keep falling down this coal chute with just ginormous, like, Oh I've yeah. Seen... The laundry chute bit. And, and, the it, it does it did make me think when I was watching it like how much people like sticking out their asses in this movie to the point where you wonder like you know the, do they like want this to happen like oh gosh like I'm very theatrically looking into something it sure would be a shame if someone came along and pushed my butt <laughs> like is it a kink like damn <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, de- there's definitely a lot of that <laughs> happening, uh, which, you know, not complaining when Shelly Long is, you know, doing it in like her spandex skank leggings. Oh yeah. Um, like she just, cause I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. She's going to stick her head in the laundry chute and bend over. And then there was a second shot from like a three quarter angle, like, you know, wide. You'd be like, oh yeah. Like there. Yep. She's just sticking that ass out and bending the fuck over oh yeah maybe that was for like any dads that were forced to watch this i mean for all it's also kind of like not not to be mean to shelly long i mean i she's a fine actress and you know um you know not 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 a not an unattractive woman right but i'm i'm just gonna say it shelly long She's a she's a very svelte woman. Mm-hmm. She's not a woman who is gifted in the ass department, you know? Well, no no women in media were during the 90s. No. Like what was what was the ideal female body like in the 90s? Like, like well, heroin okay. chic, I think, wasn't that? Right. Going on? Yeah. No, the perfect the perfect woman in the 90s. Blonde hair extensions, yeah. very long, bolt on rock hard tits yes and yeah yeah absolutely no ass basically the perfect woman was sable from wwe 
<laughs> so yeah, I guess dads of the '90s were probably like you know really sweating when they saw Shelly Long bend over, <laughs> you know. And she's fine; it's fine. I'm just sa- I'm just saying is like looking at it. I'm like, yeah, you know. I mean, I'll I'm I'm happy to see any ass, but like I would have preferred, you know, I would have hired an actress with a bigger ass. Well, you know? but that this is you, Mike, and we know that your standards for cake are quite ample let's just put it that way also i'll I'll say this is like if dads are watching this movie with my 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 uh long experience with dads and (laughs) speaking to other people's dads i feel like any dad watching the movie would probably see shelly long and like oh she's heavy now oh she got fat (laughs) dads love saying that they love seeing any woman in a movie and immediately just being like whoa wow whoa she put on a few whoa it's like they just they just can't help themselves yeah that's true because i feel like my dad did that a lot too it's it's seriously like a it's just a dad thing you know it's like a tick they can't help it they can't stop themselves it's like dad tourette's (laughs) it really is but i kind of want to go back to how we're introduced to our villains like we've delved into the plot a little bit but i want to mention something which struck me right off the bat Mm -hmm. when i was watching this um, you've seen Idiocracy, right? Yes, I have. Idiocracy, Mike Judge. People think that movie is very funny. People think we're living in idiocracy. Eh, debatable, but why not? I was always put off by Idiocracy because of the way it starts. Because of the premise that, oh, the stupid people are breeding. And the smart people are not. So society got stupid. It's like um, there's a sci-fi story by C.M. Kornbluth, The Marching Morons. It kind of has the same (laughs) principle. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of has the same premise. And also that kind of stink of classism and eugenicism. And Mm -hmm. look, I love Mike Judge. I love Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill. I'll give him a little bit of a pass on this, but it really puts me off the entirety of the rest of the movie because of the premise. It's like human intelligence doesn't work that way. It isn't like dumb people in trailers having babies and then they come out stupid. (laughs) But Adventures of Ragtime kind of does the same thing where it isn't, it, and it doesn't have anything to do with her- heritable intelligence, but it's it's like, oh, we're going to introduce the villains of the story right away. So we're at a stock car race, which only idiots go to. And yep. here are these dumb, classless pieces of trash. You know, her with her, you know, her stupid wigs and her slutty clothes. And he looks like the cousin that Ernest P. Worrell doesn't even talk to. (laughs) And he's stealing food, which is like, oh, that is, that is so low class. And I was like, you know, this feels like a movie that someone from Thousand Oaks would make. I'm sorry. And I'm allowed (laughs) to say it because I grew up in Thousand Oaks, but you know, it's definitely like uh, that. um, It it didn't exist at the time, but that like next door kind of feeling where it's like, you know, Mm, this car has been parked on my street for 30 minutes. Should I call the cops? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I definitely see that. Yeah. Um, It's, it's very much that kind of like, oh, well they're like, 
It's like how do we how do we let everyone know that our villains are like bad? Well, they're stupid and poor, and <laughs> you know probably that's probably why they're poor because they're so stupid. You know, right? Yeah, um, and it kind of goes back to if and I know like um and if people want to give me heat for saying that we should have done diverse casting in this movie for the criminals, then, you know, fine, I will take my lumps. But I'm like, damn, that would be so much more interesting. And if you kind and I know you're not going to get a deep dive into Mm -hmm. poverty in a kid's movie. And it's also like, we have to review the movie that we're watching and not the, well, I would have done this, but still a movie with kind of working class Hispanic people like trying a desperate scheme to make money at the expense of these uptight white people from TO. Yeah. I like maybe I don't know, maybe you know, maybe I should just write it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually thought um uh, because when um our villains are discussing their predicament, like they're talking about how oh, I'm I'm tired of like, you know, being poor and um uh, what's his name? The Lester is all like, I ain't going back to the fix it shop. People don't even fix stuff these days. You know, there's no respect in it. And I was thinking like, wow, they're really setting these guys up as like kind of sympathetic. And I was expecting at the end, something would happen. Like they, they come back and they find ragtime, but they mistake the villains for like, not kidnappers, but like you found ragtime and rescued him. You're a hero. You know, I actually thought that's what they were going to do in the end. They didn't. They, they just, you know, they went the, the, the typical route where the cops arrest them. And Lester's like, I'll get you next time, ragtime. <laughs> um, so yeah. The, the, um, I'm still kind of, okay. The, you know, the villains get beat up a lot because of course they do. And it's very Looney Tunes. You know, they get like blown up a few times or they're, they're literally walking around like with rags and like the soot on their faces by the end. But there is a bit where like Lester gets hit in the head with a hammer and there's like a big old fucking indent in his forehead the rest of the movie. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you can tell they just put putty on his forehead and like put a hammer shape in it, but it's still like kind of fucking grotesque. Yeah. It's like, is he severely dehydrated or something? Yeah. It's like, it's like you, you, that's not normal. Usually that's not the way you don't have a big hammer imprint in your head. That I think you should get that looked at. That seems serious. Yeah, you have um, a you have a serious brain bleed, sir. Um, yeah. <laughs> although it doesn't appear to have affected your intelligence any, you can't subtract nothing from nothing. But um, yeah. yeah and uh, I remember going again the the you know the movie's lodestar being Home Alone. Basically, I yeah. do remember Joe Pesci having a comical um, iron imprint on his face. Because of one of Kevin's traps. And it was just kind of like, and you know, I don't even think it was really called out. It was just like, yeah, I got hit in the face with a hot iron. Like it left a mark and it's just kind of a funny thing. It's like, oh yeah, you really got fucked up by the iron. Um, So yeah. And uh, people, and I've actually heard people complain about the sadism of, of home alone, but eh, like whatever, who cares? Take it to Tumblr. 
you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, to, you, know, you can you can discuss that with the Zoomers. I'm like, sorry. Oh, it's one of those things like, oh, you know, uh, Home Alone is actually very sadistic. Okay, Jenny Tight Pants. Why don't you talk about our letterbox, okay? You're really, whoa, boy, you're really taking down this 30-year-old movie. I hear that things were problematic in those days. Whatever. You know? Ooh, shots fired i like I don't it care whose toes i step on yeah so, like uh, every time like a 21 year old is on social media talking about a classic movie that i watch i'm just like yeah I'm, you, you you do your thing kid like i'm not gonna engage with this discussion because it will provide me nothing of value but yes. right like um and in the case of home alone it's kind of like a looney tunes explosion of violence against these guys who are trying to kidnap a little kid so maybe that's on the fine line of good taste but you know the movie was very successful and it's still funny this as you mentioned like with hammer imprints in the forehead and stuff like that it just it's it does smack of sadism yeah it's it's just um yeah and plus there's a thing where i feel like home alone it did the smart thing. It was kind of a Bugs Bunny. You mm -hmm. know how they always say, like, Bugs Bunny, he doesn't start shit, but he finishes it? Yes. <laughs> and Home Alone, it's like, look, anything bad that happens to these two robbers, it's because they are trying to break in the house, and it's due entirely to Kevin's uh, shenanigans. Whereas in this movie, half the stuff that happens to these robbers is literally them just like, the horse is even there. They just trip over stuff because they're idiots. You right. Know? That's a really good point because the, the, the horse is responsible for quite a bit of the mayhem again, because he's a giggling little shit, but yep. then there are just the pratfalls for like man fall down funny reasons. Yes. Which kind of isn't, it doesn't, it don't hit the same as a hot iron to the face in Home Alone no. is what I'm saying. It's like literally like Jay Thomas is like, I'm going to open this door and a bunch of like logs fall on him. And it's like, well, that would have happened to anyone. Right. Because, you know, it's like, oh, he's stupid. He opened the door. I, okay. Yeah, um, man, what a dumbass. Like trying to open a, a door to gain ingress. Yeah, it's... um. So uh, they they take up the bulk of the movie doing these things, but I really do find them less fascinating than our um, suburban family because the suburban family is just such a um, platonic ideal of a made-for-TV movie family. What with you know the dad who's like, oh, I'm you know I I can't I can't I can't see your baseball game, son. I'm doing business. And the mom, whose entire role in this movie is just like the kids really need you. They need their father. You know? Yeah, it's it's and, the kind of uh, it's the kind of mom role that people are thinking about when they complain about roles for women. Yes, like there has been a dangerous. tremendous amount of improvement in writing for women on the screen since, but occasionally roles like this do happen where it's just like, yeah, she's a mom. She like worries about stuff. That's yeah. it. She, she does do that. It's the nineties. So she's wearing like a blossom hat, like a bucket hat or something, you know? And it's like, yeah, that was the style back then. Um, yeah. In fact, yeah. The very nineties styles in this movie, I guess it makes sense. It's, it is from the nineties. Um, my favorite moment though, stylized is when, there's a moment where the kids are like waking up for the day 
and they're all in their pajamas and they're fighting over the bathroom. Right. Okay. Now, even though they are in their pajamas and have presumably just gotten out of bed, they are all wearing sneakers. Oh, yeah, that's weird. It's so weird. I was like, because they they throw a bucket of water on the other brother because they're three kids and then they run away. And I was trying to see the third one as he gets out of bed. Is he wearing sneakers, too? But they never show you his feet. And I think he is wearing sneakers and they were just realized, okay, we we're people are going to notice if he's sleeping in his shoes. So we better not show his feet. (laughs) Well, Um, speaking from personal experience. When you're around horses, even little ones, you definitely want to have closed-toed shoes. That that makes sense. Um, oh, I wonder if, like, yeah, were they doing that because on set they could not have people be barefoot? Yeah, could well be. We don't know. But, but you know what, Mike? I think that those kids should have started their day off right with some hydration. And not just any kind of hydration. Huh. Like, what kind of hydration are you thinking of? Oh, well, I'm talking about the kind of hydration that'll work for any situation. You can drink it at home. You can drink it at work. You can take it to the gym with you. Partake when you're out hiking. uh, Or just, you know, walking around the neighborhood with your tiny horse. Because proper functional hydration is essential. And Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. I mean, that sounds pretty good, but the question I would have, because like I'm a guy who likes flavor, you know, I like, I like my hydration to, to taste good. Like, you know, like, like, do they have flavor? Like if it's available in flavors, like, you know, say sea berry, strawberry, lemonade, Concord grape, lemon lime, pina colada, maybe tropical punch or watermelon. I mean, I think I'd be pretty much sold. In that case. <laughs> well, Mike, I'm happy to tell you that they do in fact have all of those flavors, and more. And when you put it in your water, you can hydrate two times faster than with water alone. Plus, you get essential vitamins and three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks. Damn. Wait, essential vitamins? Like, But how many essential vitamins? Like, I've been burned before. Hey, it's got five of them. B3, B5, B6, B12, and everyone's favorite, the big C, vitamin C. Damn. I gotta say... That's kind of over-delivering because, like, <laughs> you know, all the bees, I'd be like, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm sold. And they're like, no, no, wait, hold, hold, save your fork. There's more. There's also vitamin C. It's like, that's a whole nother letter. That's like going deeper into the alphabet. Yeah, not only that, it's made with quality ingredients and it's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. So you can stop drinking oatmeal during your workouts. Oh, thank God. I've, I've, uh, uh, that, that has not been hydrating me properly. I gotta say. Yeah. It's really tough when you're ultra marathoning and you're, you've got oatmeal in your camelback. That really sucks. Uh, it's, yeah. It's too, it's really too thick. I need something that's definitely more, more, more a liquid, you know? Yeah. Liquid IV. I'm getting kind of thirsty. Uh, where can I, where can, uh, people get this, uh, liquid IV? And is it possible that there's like, you know, like a, a way to get a discount on it in some way or? Well, Mike, it's funny you mentioned that because if you want to get the number one hydration method that is real people, real flavor, real hydrating, we can help you out with that because with our special code, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com. And that code is H-Y-S-T-P-O-D, HISTPOD. 
That's H-Y-S-T-P-O-D. You just type that in at liquidiv.com and you get 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today. That's with code H-Y-S-T-P-O-D. Histpod, baby. So go to liquidiv.com and up your hydration game because why not? You might end up having to chase a miniature horse around an abandoned mansion. <laughs> I mean, if I was in that situation, I would definitely want to be hydrated. Because if you are not hydrated and you uh, you might get like a hammer imprint in your head, you know? Yeah, like if you take a ball peen hammer to the skull, you want that shit to bounce back. So, you know what? Try Liquid IV. LiquidIV.com. I would, I would buy that product. For a dollar? <laughs> yeah. But I think yeah. we were talking about, um, well, now that we're properly hydrated, um, we can go back to talking about uh, the awful lawyer children like this family sucks and first of all like okay like why are they the blue family that sounds like a pseudonym are they on the run from the law um yeah that's that is weird i guess were they like we can't say fair child they're blue okay um yeah they are kind like the dad is a lawyer and they very vaguely hint at what he does he seems to be some sort of like uh environmental class action lawyer I think. Yeah, he's, um, well, he's the good kind of lawyer because, you know, if he were like an, an ambulance chasing psychopath, like that would be an even tougher sell to the audience than like a mostly neglectful dad who hates animals. Yes. Um, but yeah, they never really, he's working on like the big case. We never really, we know that he's getting threats about it, but we don't really know much about, uh, anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that De- really isn't explored. Yeah, because death threats are... The topic of death threats is raised and then dropped, which is weird. Yeah. Like, cause... why bring it up if it's not going to factor in the movie? Because it's not like our villains sent death threats to the family. No. I I think the only reason is to explain why they go to the cops, but they don't really need that because... They yeah. got a ransom note. They could just yeah. go to, yeah, you go to the cops and you get a ransom note. That doesn't require any additional explanation. Yeah. And um, also, I know that we're supposed to align ourselves with the the presumably intelligent suburban family against like the the idiot, impoverished people. But this family is so stupid that they don't tell the police that their missing animals are animals. They yeah. let the cops think that they have missing children, I guess, because they're like, Oh, well, we didn't know if you believe us. It's like, why that is. And the guy's a lawyer. Like, why would you <laughs> let your wife lie to the cops about like, Oh no, they kidnapped our, um, uh, the children. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, did you think that wouldn't come out at some point? Yeah. Um, but I also do like the fact that the cops are like, we've got hundreds of, of men out there searching for your kids right now. Uh, do you have a picture of them? It's like, maybe you should have asked for the picture before you had them all searching. What are they looking for if they don't know what they look like? We're just um, grabbing all the kids we can find. Like just bringing in this parade of kids and being like, is this them? Is this them? Yeah. And then on top of that, it's like, oh, wait, it's not even, they're not even children. It's a horse and a dog. It's a horse and a dog. So... But these cops, okay, let's let's talk about these cops because um, one of the, like one of them uh, is like there's a big fat guy who's like who's like okay 
I, I didn't at first I as soon as I saw him is like I've seen this guy playing like a hired goon in like hundreds of movies. Um, yeah, he's like a big Italian meathead. Yes. And uh, I recognize him immediately from he plays the uh, the guy in the um, the guy in Dumb and Dumber that they send to kill them and they end up like killing him with his own gas medicine or something. Oh, damn. Uh, I didn't yeah, know that. But, but I'm sure he's been in like the Sopranos and, and you know, like dozens of <laughs> things. He plays like a meathead. That's his yeah. thing. Um, and, you know, he's, he's good at it. Um, but there's also like a, a lady detective. And what the hell is up with her outfit? Yeah. Okay. Like, and this, this legitimately like made me a little mad because that's a, uh, that's Kay Lenz who um, is not, uh, not like a, an, a-lister but has done steady incredible work in a lot of things um like i mostly know from uh prisoner of the lost universe in which he's very delightful against a incredibly sexist richard hatch and john saxon threatening to rape her constantly um she was also in breezy directed by clint eastwood like you know like a, a a fair actress and like you know always a welcome presence did they not have a wardrobe person. Like, did they just take clothes off of a man on the set and put them on her? Because it looks like they're trying to prank her. Yeah. And I mean, it's the first scene you see her in, it's bad enough. When she shows up later, it's <laughs> like with the jacket on, it's like literally like the, the jacket sleeves are, you can't even see her fingertips because yeah. they're so long. <laughs> And it looks like they're trying to do an incredible shrinking man type gag or something. <laughs> it is so strange. I could not, I could not figure that out. Um, yeah. And than, it, yeah. I don't know how something like this would happen because why, if you, I assume you had wardrobe on this movie, like the, the, the production on this isn't the worst. It appears to have been made by a competent enough crew even though there's like no there's no style to it whatsoever it's like yes the shots are are properly staged and lit uh they blocked it a little bit before they started yeah. shooting that kind of thing how do you not have clothes that fit a supporting character and not just a supporting character like one of the few names on your movie because she isn't just nobody. It's like, you know, you, Kay Lenz is like a little bit of a name, at least yeah. at this level. She couldn't even like bring her own clothes to the set at, at yeah. the, at the absolute like worst case scenario. Like I assume that she has clothes that fit her. I, I almost wondered when I was watching this, is it like, is this because it's a kid's movie and she was just way too sexy and they're like, we need to hide her body. <laughs> Because I mean, I mean uh, that that was the cake you were looking for, but I mean, because I think they were like, look, Shelley Long is built like a twig, so it's okay to put her in like t skin tight outfits. She, she, no one's gonna, no one's gonna get too horny. But like this woman, she's she's got curves. We we can't, you know, we, we can't have that. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the. Uh... <laughs> I'm being very mean to Shelley Long. I mean, again, I'm not saying, not saying she's she's. I'm just saying she's felt. She's a felt woman. Well, it was more that was more the preferred body type at the time. This was pre-Kardashians. Um, 
you know. Oh, they were probably like, yeah, we got to cover up this fat ass like lady cop. Oh my god, <laughs> so disgusting. She's got boobs. Like, oh, she's like a she's like a fucking elephant. Uh, let's give her the suit that I borrowed from Tom Wolf. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, this is this is one of those things where it's like, and you you'll see like production errors all the time in in movies like this, and you have a laugh about them. But this one, like, I can't even think of a reason for it. Like, how did this happen? It is, it is extremely strange. Um, I think, like, the, the cops in general, it's it's hard to describe. It feels like I'm watching, you remember, like, MathNet on Square One TV? Oh, yeah, with uh, Kate Monday. Yes, it's it feels like that, uh, the way these <laughs> cops all behave. Because they all walk around, they're all wearing those, uh, you know, those, like, weird gun suspenders that, that cops have? Oh, the and, holsters, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the chief is all like, you know, he, the the chief is like yelling at them and stuff. Like, we gotta get on this ragtime case. Yelling um, at them for their beepers going off. Oh wow, it's so 1998. You know, it's Everyone's like, what do you beepers. like? What do you want us to do? Like, <laughs> like that's the point of a beeper is so you can like, you know, take the message later. It's like, why are, why do you all have beepers? Are you drug dealers? Well, they're cops, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, the cops are. No, there, there's an FBI guy because we have an FBI guy joining the cops. I think. Um, I now, if I understand that, you know, the FBI does get called for kidnapping cases because kidnapping is a federal offense, right? I believe so. Yes. Um, but that's why is the FBI still around for the possible? kidnapping of a dog and a horse is it because oh. there's ransom involved yes they explain actually the, the fbi guy says this is blackmail so i'm still involved even though this is not blackmail okay is, i think i not... was i think yeah. i was maybe playing a game on my phone at that point just trying well, to get I mean, through the movie because this I, is I this is a punishing watch let me tell you yeah. i mean i only noticed it because it's like when he says it's blackmail it's like it's it's not blackmail there's no blackmail <laughs> going on here yeah like oh that could have been an interesting angle though where it's like what uh you know if you don't give us five hundred thousand dollars we'll tell the ventura county sheriffs that you've been making little movies with your miniature horse and your children (laughs) if you get my drift yeah cops in this are i mean they're they're pretty like they're they're here for laughs you know like yeah also, they're like they they appear to have some kind of weird gestalt cop hive mind because they never separate at any point. They're always just no. in a group. Well, remember when they they all ordered pizzas because <sighs> the pizza guy shows up and he's like, "Who ordered a pizza?" and they all raise their hands, which in- indicates every single one of them simultaneously ordered pizza from the same place. Well, it's... they all order. They each ordered an individual uh, personal pan pizza. <laughs> that is the coppest thing to do <laughs> but you were saying yeah just the, these cops are like they're pretty incompetent they're they're bumbling around you know they're there for laughs um except they're not very funny and they're just kind of oh, okay all right i guess we got to have some of these scenes where the you know where they're like we got everyone on this hunt to get them um well because their their thing is they're gonna do the ransom uh, they're gonna, they get the money, right? Yeah. And they're gonna stake out the ransom drop. It's funny because they say to the new cop, like, well, you're a new, you're a trainee, so you could do the drop because no one will recognize you. It's like, no one will recognize any of you. What, what are you talking about? 
they don't know who you guys are. So yeah, you've never met these kidnappers before, but um, it also just seems like, well, yeah. How was that supposed to go? Cause they never, <laughs> they never like show up to like get the money, I guess, because they're too busy getting their asses kicked by ragtime. So I don't know. They do that though. It is funny when the cops are like, Hey, is there anything in that field over there behind the ransom drop off? We are just an old uh, ice cream truck. No one could live in that. Yeah. Maybe we should check it out. <laughs> it's like, Oh, world's smartest cop. You know, in fact, I, I do recall that like, uh, Mr. Blue, the lawyer, uh, according to the news, he has spent his career helping small businesses and the little guy against corporate badness. And actually, no, my favorite part, I love that newscast, right? Because at the end, when they say, like, even a workaholic like Jerry Blue can have a bad day. And it's like, I like how the, the, the like, you know, you know, that's not how the news would introduce you as a lawyer. They're like, yeah, we hear that this guy doesn't spend enough time with his family. <laughs> Well, also, the way that they, they talk about him, like, he's some kind of, like, national celebrity, too, which is weird. Oh, that's right, because they say help is coming from the White House. But... <laughs> which, it never materializes. I don't ever see any, like, White House help, but they do say that on the newscast. This was to, to 1998, so I believe, who would have been in the White House? Uh, was that Clinton at that yeah. point? Yeah, so, it was like, Bill Clinton, he was all, like... Um, so, well, 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 I, 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 I feel your pain, Jerry Blue. Oh, that they should have done that because you know that in '98 we Bill Clinton was appearing and stuff, and he was always doing that thing. He was like, oh, I feel your pain. I'm gonna play my saxophone and eat some McDonald's. Bill <laughs> and we were all like, oh, we love, we love our our large adult president. We love him. I feel your pain, ragtime. <laughs> we will secure Man. the release of Ragtom and the tiny dog. <laughs> Spot oh. is a, or no, what was the cat's name? Socks is very upset. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we think they missed so many opportunities in this. Yeah, in this and, film. and le, le, come on, like, look how easy a Bill Clinton impression is. You don't have to get the real Bill Clinton. You can just have, no, like, no. the Clinton voice and then... Yeah. Some like, so, you know, some guy at the, like Nick. eating, um, like a foot long hot dog at the, at the stock car race at the beginning. And it's like, oh, it's the president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that reminds me in that beginning, that stock car race scene. Yeah. There's like a big, like, you know, like there's a big fat guy that like he robs. Yes. Like, is that guy someone? Cause his voice is so familiar. I thought he I, was, but then I like, couldn't place him. I was try. I I feel like he's a guy who's done cartoon voices, but like looking at the um cast of Ragtime, The Adventures of Ragtime, I cannot figure out who he was. Uh, <laughs> there's no one credited as like big fat guy. Yeah, so. big stupid fat ugly dumbass piece of shit redneck. But actually, sorry to change subject, but there's another very weird bit in this movie that I I I need to mention. Oh, there and... are a lot of weird bits in this movie. Oh yeah, but... there, there's so much stuff. Like, so, you know, in the beginning when they take ragtime to the Ventura County Fair because of um, he's going to be in the 4-H yes. show? Yes. Okay, so I've never been in 4-H, so I don't really know what it's like. Right. But I assume you show off your animal, right? Yep. So instead what's happening is the kids are in the audience watching and they have like a, a little woman 
guiding like I, I like a little person I think oh right 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 yeah yeah and she's guiding the horse around and having the horse do tricks and it's like how does she know all that how she's not the horse's trainer she's just this random person I mean she's the she's the ringmaster right right but it's weird that she's doing that and meanwhile in the audience like not 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 uh Barkley but the other brother is like you know they call her the hatchet because they never found her husband and children. And it's like, and then that's, that's never brought up again. It, it feels like, it feels like they were going to try and set up like in home alone, how there's that scary neighbor that saves them. Kevin in the end, I right. feel like they were trying to set this ringmaster up as she was going to be the one to do that. But then they were like, ah, never mind. Yeah. Oh, this movie already has enough plot. We don't need to gild the lily here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a really actually, good point, because why call out the character if you're not going to do anything with the character? And, you know, you mentioned 4-H. Like, yeah, like the point of 4-H is to have the children handling and showing their animals. Like, that's why you get kids involved in 4-H, so they can learn, you know, a- animal husbandry. So it should be Barkley showing off his mini horse. But instead, it's this random lady. I thought, I I wondered, actually, looking at this, if that was actually, like, one of the Fairchilds. Because, you know, it would make sense to them to have the the actual horse's trainer doing that scene. Um, But it is not. She's played by an actress named Debbie Dixon, who was also an Ewok in Return of the Jedi. And that's pretty much it. So so she's a little person actor. Yeah. Though that's her entire filmography. Um... But hmm. yeah, yeah. So I really don't know what. Um, yeah, it's it's very odd that that they were like, yeah, get get her to do this, and we're gonna say that she's a murderer, and then just never bring it up again. <laughs> I mean, it 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 is a kind of a funny line because you could frame it as the kind of like bullshit that kids tell each other. Yeah, it's just you know it where it's like, like, oh, there's a, a there's a lady that we that is looks kind of mean and like we don't like her so oh she totally like killed her husband oh and, yeah like got yeah. away with it yeah it just it just feels like that that yeah because it feels like the the older brother is kind also speaking of home alone is kind of an asshole and he's kind of being set up as like because kevin had a mean older brother in yes. home alone too oh everyone uh, was mean to him in in home alone yeah he and, was what um, they call les incompetents <laughs> he was a whoopy. <laughs> um but like yeah it, it just again this isn't really it's it just isn't brought up that much i do think in the end like this brother and the sister kind of apologized to barkley for like slacking on feeding ragtime i guess right but you know it's like and then oh then i think they get mad at the dad because he's like you want to go we want to i want to take you all camping and the barkley's like can ragtime come and the dad's like, well, I wanted it to be like a family bonding thing. You're not thinking about ragtime. Like the horse gives a shit. Yeah, horses love camping. And also the, the the dad, there's something odd about this dad because early in the movie we see him talking to his wife in their bedroom with a face mask on. Yeah. Like okay. a cream face mask that, and, you know, not to assert outdated gender stereotypes but that is usually a thing that women do 
Yes. Um, but the in a movie dad from, does it. Yeah. In a movie from 1998, when I saw that, I was like, oh, I get it. He is an effeminate, like, goofy <laughs> fop. And we should right. all think he's very funny. But he's not set up that way at all, you know? No, because, so, like, apart... And, and, again, keeping in mind that we're talking about, like, you know, 1998 standards of humor like we 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 don't endorse this kind of thing but yeah like it does it would normally have been the kind of thing which would set him up as like a you know kind of a fussy prissy dandy and then the other thing that's weird about it is that you know he's talking to his wife about whatever i forget what they're talking about but then they they're face to face and they kiss and then the kissing gets like you know not heated because this is a kids movie but like definitely like okay this is a couple that's still attracted to each other why is she kissing him with this face mask on (laughs) and it's literally just so they can do be like oh look how funny this is when she turns her head to look off screen her face is to the camera and she has like some of the cream from his face mask on it's like okay that's weird comedy i guess like what like, what are you trying to tell us, movie? I don't understand. Yeah, this this movie... I mean... <laughs> it's... it's um. I, I feel like a lot of it is just like, oh, uh, this stuff will be funny. And it's like, okay, but you are doing things without any regard to plot or character or logic. It's just... It's funny, so it's happening. And I would forgive that in a movie that was actually funny. Right. Th- these are... The, the jokes are incredibly lame and you are kind of destroying any um, any any uh, basis in reality that your lame film has. God, it's just. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah. And the thi- and because there's so much there are so many weird, dumb choices in this movie to dissect. Like we've kind of run a little long here, but ragtime is. Oh, there is something that I do want to call out. Because as a horse aficionado, this kind of pissed me off. Now, um, there's a point when uh, they've concealed ragtime in the mansion. And then somehow, I don't know how you would do this, locked themselves inside the mansion with (laughs) the horse. Yes. Because that's a thing that you can do. That's a thing that happens all the time. That you just get like, oh, damn, I'm locked in my house again. Better call yeah. the locksmith to let me out. And Ragtime is all like, you understand? I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ragtime throws a pan of hot food just scalding <laughs> into the guy's face. Well, you know, near as damn it. Because th- there was a, at one point, Ragtime pushes the guy down the stairs. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like he could have died from that. <laughs> ragtime is a murderer um, <laughs> i wouldn't put it past that little fucker but anyway <laughs> so they're locked in with the horse for some reason and uh ragtime's running around doing his little shit horse things and at one point it's implied that ragtime is eating the lady's wigs mm-hmm. and i was like okay that's bad because if you want your horse to colic and die, that's that would be a pretty good way to do it. Like have it eat synthetic hair. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. whatever. Like they're they're probably just doing it. like, oh haha, I got a hold of the wig and it's playing with the wig and implying the horse ate the wig. That's whatever. Didn't expect it to come up again. But no, 
later in the movie, Shelley Long is like, oh, the, the little horse is sick. And sure enough, Ragtime is like passed out on the floor, ailing. And I was like, oh my God, this is serious. And um, intestinal problems with horses, like, are, they're serious. Like, horses can and do die from things like a twisted bowel or colic or, or torsion or whatever. But then uh, later in the movie, there's a shot of Ragtime and there's a burp sound effect. And then Ragtime is like, oh, my tummy's better. Okay. <laughs> Horses don't burp. They are physically incapable of burping or vomiting. Like their, oh. their digestive system is one way, which is why it's so dangerous for them to say, like, eat a wig. Mm. Wow. I hope someone got fired over this blunder. <sighs> I hope a lot of people got fired for working on this thing. <laughs> um. There's a, you know, towards the end of the film when Ragtime is, is, um, you know, shenaniganing inside the mansion. Yes. There's a bit where, um, I, I guess Rag, I guess they were butting up against the limits of what Ragtime could do. Uh, (laughs) because Ragtime, there's a bit where Ragtime kind of sticks his head through a doorway and kind of turns to look at you and it's very obviously this awful puppet it looks very bad yeah they're they yeah. use the they use the fake horse head a few times and it's like come on <laughs> yeah it's so when, when you see it it's like what because because it, it looks like something i don't know it looks like some sort of taxidermy out of like texas chainsaw massacre or something it's it, like what the fuck it kind of looks like um you know that like one comedy horse mask that you see a lot on the internet yes it it looks a lot like that yeah. Like, they just kind of painted it black to match Ragtime's coat. And they're like, well, whatever, it'll work. It's um, it's funny because when they use it, it's for, like, a scene where it's like, you really could have just not had that scene. It, it, <laughs> you didn't really need that scene. Um, Would have really been better without it. Um, Is it one of those really... scenes where, like, Ragtime has to open a door or something? Oh, uh, no, it's literally just Ragtime sticking his head through a door and turning his head slightly. <sighs> But I do like when Ragtime, like, dials, like, telephones by, like, just stomping on them. With the <laughs> That's kind of funny. Ends up calling up a 976 hotline. <laughs> well, I do like, he, he's trying to call 911, and it works, and they're like, we just got a call from a horse. And, all, and, they, all, and they send all their, like, men to, to this abandoned mansion, and... Um, and that's where they catch uh, Jay Thomas, like now, and because he's been so driven crazy by like ragtime shenanigans that he's doing the Woody Woodpecker laugh. <laughs> I was doing that by the end of this movie. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's it's funny, and he's like, oh, not a horse. They're like, yeah, whatever. They're like, a horse is smart. Oh, yeah, sure, sure it is. Tell it to the judge. Yeah, there's whatever. But, um, but anyway, um, yeah, so they, they catch the bad guys. They save Ragtime. He's reunited with his family. The dog is reunited as well. We forgot the dog. The dog exists in this movie. Yeah, the um, poor dog just got locked in the ice cream truck. And I I was surprised because I thought that the dog was in some way going to save Ragtime. But then I realized, like, ah, wait, Ragtime stipulated that he did not want to be overshadowed in any way by I, any of his co-stars and that certainly that goes triple for that goddamn little dog he is not going to upstage me i do think it's funny the dog is like the the fairchild's dog so they were just like 
yeah, you want to make a movie about a horse, you got to put the dog in too. Yeah. Because the dog is pretty useless. The dog does nothing in this movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, the dog is cute. The dog is able to um, uh, sit up and, you know, raise its paws, which is adorable. But yeah, the dog doesn't do much beyond that. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, he does dog, dog stuff pretty yes. much. Very dog-like. Dog. <laughs> but, uh, where were we? I think we're almost to the end, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, did anything else, I guess then in the end, the dad just, like, realizes I need to spend time with my family. Oh, uh, yeah, and the way that it, it culminates is just so cringe and wrote just like hey kids what you doing uh, mind if i play with you and like first of all the kids are kicking around two soccer balls it's like just okay like do you know how this game works like just pick one ball and kick that but whatever <laughs> there's also a part near the beginning just as an aside where the um lester the dumb redneck is in their ice cream truck watching European soccer. That oh, thing yeah. that rednecks love to watch. <laughs> he loves the, the football. But anyway, but yeah, so then, you know, the dad comes out to awkwardly play with his own children. And I guess he's not going to sell the horse and that was he ever, was he going to sell the dog too cuz that would have been funny. Um, you know, he just they never says he's going to sell the dog, but they do keep saying like they keep talking about selling the animals. So <laughs> Um, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is a thing. Also, because like, it's it's interesting that he he says he's going to sell the an the animals for $500,000. And then the, the, the bumblers are like, we're going to ask for $300,000 because that's less than $500,000. And <sighs> I was trying to figure out exactly like what the logic was because it's like, you're not in a – this is not a bidding war. And, <laughs> you know, it's like you – you're uh, do you – because, or, or is it because it's like, and then I thought, okay, wait a second. Is it, is it supposed to be that like, if the, they're going to be, have an incentive to get the, the horse back because they can still make $200,000, you know? Right. Even if, is that what's going on? So it's like, I, I guess that's smart, but like, it's confusing. I mean, I, I don't know exactly. This doesn't really come up, so I don't know. It what makes, the deal is with it that. makes no goddamn sense. Yeah. Um, <sighs> anyway, um, I don't feel like a lot of thought was put into this film. <laughs> well, I think that the that the main focus was ragtime, um, to the exclusion of all else. Like the script is very basic, you know. But we live in a wealthy area in Southern California, so we can we can get a couple of names to sell this on. But hey, what really matters is this tiny horse. I mean, we did get to see him, you know, stand up on his hind legs. We got to see him, like, kick a ball around. Um, I guess he did, you know, he did a bunch of tricks. So, you know, if you're uh, if you're a ragtime fan, I guess you got everything you wanted to see out of a ragtime movie. <laughs> now, I was a little mad that we didn't get to see ragtime do one of his favorite things, which was watch television. Because oh, that, apparently that when uh, that was, and I forget who told the anecdote about the first time that he met Ragtime. This was in, uh, I think, the LA Times. Mm -hmm. But uh, they said, yeah, like I walked into the Fairchild's house and 
This horse was on the sofa watching TV. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, I guess that's exciting. My cat does that. And he can watch TV. I don't see him in a movie. And he should be in a movie. He's so he's a he's the best cat. <laughs> he is he is a very cute and funny cat. Oh, he's so good. He's my little gentleman. But I don't see him in any movies. Maybe um, you know, maybe if some bumblers tried to kidnap him. Sandy does seem quite uh trainable actually, because he's very active. You know what? I mean, I'm gonna step to it. Get him to. I'm gonna train him how to like hit a football, and then next stop Hollywood. Just right, start a sure. um. Just start fake beef with um your local city council. They're like, hey, they said that we can't keep our cat in our house. The mean <laughs> city council, and they'd be like, what? Like, of course you can have a cat. And they're like, they're saying we have to get rid of our cat. Honestly, and then everyone would be like, how dare they? Honestly, with this shitty city council we have in this town, they probably would do that. Yeah, that that that's true. Like um. Your county is is quite different from Ventura County because ours yeah. is a, ours is a different kind of upper class idiocy. Um, where you are, you just get kind of reactionary shitheads pushing the working class around. Yeah, no, I mean, like here, here it's like because yeah, in Ventura County, you've got all the like you know like uh, all the 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 science of wealth and privilege running the show. Up here, it's a bunch of fucking like you know boat dealer sorts. So. <laughs> You know, the city council is like, what if we passed a measure to like to, to say like no uh, CRT in the drinking water or whatever, you know. <laughs> and it is funny. Uh, a thing that I forgot to mention when you brought it up was um, when they're kind of filling out the character of the of the lawyer dad, uh, Mr. Blue, which mm-hmm. Mr. Blue sounds like a porno. <laughs> and, Mr. Blue. Yeah. And he does have a porn stash, so. Hey, maybe he maybe he does make little movies on the side. Um, they like you mentioned, they say that he oh, he helps he helps small businesses fight against corporations. And I was like, this is the most United States of America ass thing ever, because as we all know, that is the most sacred citizen in the United States today, um, replacing the yeoman farmer. Um, much <laughs> idolized by Thomas Jefferson. Today, our holiest members of society are the small business owners. And it's so funny to me that they didn't even try to kind of load this in the guy's favor by being like, oh, you know, he's a neglectful dad, but like he, you know, he he sues pharmaceutical companies for, um, you know, poisoning children. Like uh, some kids took this this medication and it actually made them really sick. It's like, no, he helps small business owners. He helps the petite bourgeoisie. Like I said, this is the most Thousand Oaks ass movie you could have made. <laughs> yeah, terrible, 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 terrible movie. And um, sadly, Ragtime is no longer with us. Um, after the Fairchilds upped and moved to Simi Valley from Thousand Oaks, uh, Later, they moved to Colorado, I think, to be closer to family. And shortly after they moved, um, Ragtime was found dead at the age of 19. Um, Credible age for a horse. Um, Horses can live up to 30 or 35 years, in fact. Um, And 
if you look at press clippings of the time, it says that they were like, oh, we're definitely going to do a necropsy to find out like what happened to Ragtime. And I was not able to find any results of that. I have no they, idea what Ragtime died of. Perhaps Ragtime was murdered. We don't know. I'm just asking is, questions. So they, they were they suspected foul play. They should have, um, you know, um, <laughs> like they should have called those uh, those those cops back. With, with their gigantic uh, out the suits. <laughs> the, the, there was the gang that couldn't shoot straight and the cops who couldn't dress themselves. <laughs> oh, but you know, you know what, Mike? I bet I know. I bet I know who did kill Ragtime. It's probably some disgusting, dirty, impoverished, gross, idiotic poor person who doesn't <laughs> appreciate the beauty of. A coddled little miniature horse living in a suburban home, <laughs> as God intended. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen Jay Thomas recently, so. Oh know. shit! He's on the lamb. He's uh, he got out. He's like he ha- he has a vendetta against Ragtime since that movie for humiliating him. Shelley Long yeah. though, she's been she's been in her share of flops, so she's like ah, water off a duck's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This it's a movie that exists. Um, <laughs> We'll link it so you guys can watch it if you're sick in the head, which I know some of you are. But yeah. um, I guess I guess that's it. Unless you um, had anything else that you wanted to say about Ragtime, either the movie or the horse um, or the novel by E.L. Doctorow. <laughs> well, you know, again, it's um, uh, just just disappointing that there are so many failed opportunities to make a uh, uh, an equally bad but possibly slightly more interesting film. Um, something that was even just mildly funny instead yeah. of just tedious as hell. Yeah. Um, I feel like just, again, it's like the, the star power of the horse. It's like you really drop the ball by not just making it about the actual horse's story. You know what the problem is? And this is something which I mentioned on uh, probably in our Hot to Trot episode. There's no such thing as a good horse movie. And the thing is, is that animal movies in general are tough because usually they tend towards the sentimental yeah uh even in the um you know even on a level of like a very high level of production uh you know your your war horses for example mm-hmm. um it's 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 uh like our what well, we spent our last episode talking about uh yes virginia and there is a santa claus it's glurge yes it's uh it's heartwarming and the horse, as an animal, does not lend itself to stories with a lot of particular depth. Um, the values of, of horses are very simplistic, stolid. Um, the horse is a docile animal that serves man. It's not a particularly smart animal. It doesn't, it doesn't have the, you know, the brain of a, of a lassie. Um, as much as they try to do that in, in ragtime. Um, yeah, the, the horse is like a, a, a simple servant. And I've said before that the only, literally the only good horse movie ever made is The Black Stallion, directed by Carol Ballard, um, which does manage to get at kind of the poetry and lyricism of the animal and its bond with a boy. A lot of very beautiful scenes in that movie. Even though there is a, a corny plot about an Arabian horse winning a race against a bunch of thoroughbreds and Mickey Rooney is also in it. Um, no good horse movies. 
Now, donkey movies, that's different because there are two uh, movies that are widely considered masterpieces. Uh, of course, Al-Hazard Balthasar and the movie inspired by it, EO, which came out recently, which is about kind of the same thing, like a, a donkey's journey through the, the human world. The donkey is a crafty little animal. The horse, not so much. <laughs> so you get movies like this. Um, animal movies, which are usually just sentimental or for kids. And uh, I know that you're an expert on animal movies, such as uh, the Buddies movies, Mike. So do oh, you yes. agree or disagree? I would agree. I mean, um, they're, they're, kids love animals, and um, it's easy. It's cheap. You know, mm -hmm. you just have an animal, like especially a dog, just do a few tricks and uh, you dub in a voice and that's all you need to do, you know? Yeah. Sad, really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, and it doesn't even matter if the animals all die, as we know from the buddies movies <laughs> when they all got Parvo. So, Thanks, Disney. Yeah, but they haven't seen. So, yeah, they didn't. Uh, did they see any fallout from that? Of course not. It's no. Disney. It's Disney. Every... They can just pay to make it go away. Yes. Um. So, yeah, uh, I didn't know that there was a rich history of donkey movies. That is interesting. But... Well, not as such. I can think of like two off the top of my head, but, you know, I think it's I think it's a solid thesis. I could probably build it up with a little research. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, horse uh... movies all suck. If you guys <laughs> if you've ever seen a horse movie, it probably sucked. I yeah. I mean, I've seen some horse movies and um, yeah, I, they're the. They always end up being those, oh God, like, what is the one about the girl who's on a diving horse? Oh, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. Yeah, I remember watching that in the theater and being like, Blech. it's one of those movies where I was like, oh, no, it's one of those movies where you never, you can't tell where in the plot you are, you know? <laughs> You know, those those fancy movies where it's like there's no traditional plot structure. So after like an hour and a half, you're like, well, it's got to be ending soon because I've been here an hour and a half, you know, <laughs> and then it'll, it'll end and you'll just be like, oh, was that a resolution? I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I remember nothing about it except that it had Gabriel Anwar and diving horses. Yeah, I think there was some sad part because the horse went blind or something. Oh. <laughs> or there was something that made it hard to, or maybe the girl did. It was some reason that it made it hard to, like, be a diving horse or horse, horse, diving horse girl. Um, yeah, and it's, 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 it's funny because it's, um, boy, that's kind of a relic of another time is uh, movies where we're supposed to feel bad that the people in the movie can't like force the animal to do something which is contrary to its nature. Well, you're saying that horses don't love jumping from a high height <laughs> into water. Like, it's I don't some... even want to know like how that got started. Like who it's... is the sicko who was like, you know what? I'm going to make a horse dive into a big pool. Like it, what the it, fuck, dude? <laughs> it does seem like something that would be like phenomenally terrifying to a horse. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I can't I can't imagine how you train a horse to do that. Yeah. Like, and like, it speaks to the good naturedness of horses in general, that there were horses that would be like, well, all right, if you, if you, you say, say so. Do this. Yeah. A so donkey would never do that shit. A no, donkey a donkey's would kick the smart. shit out of you. Yeah. A donkey is like, what the fuck, man? What yeah. are you trying to pull here? Do I look like some kind of aquatic animal? I ask yeah. you. <laughs> Donkey's like, do I look like a horse? <laughs> do i look like a dumbass horse you know you know what other animal would not do this kind of thing is a mule because no, no. 
A mule is the offspring of a horse and a donkey, and uh, the mule definitely gets the um, the shrewd outlook of the donkey with the strength of the horse. You, mm. It's really hard to force a mule to do something it doesn't want to do. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, I guess you could probably make a chart of, like, which animals could you convince to be a high-diving act and which ones you couldn't. <laughs> because... I mean, I feel like uh, like a dog. That's easy. Oh a, yeah, a like uh, either like a border collie or like a, a a Labrador. They love water. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I like uh, no, go away. Sorry, James Carville wants money. <laughs> he's like, outside your window. He's like, yeah, he's just like he just appeared at the window. He's like, like pressing Slenderman. his horrible face against your window. Yeah. <laughs> No, I just got a text from him. He's like, oh, she's like, oh he, he, I got a personal text from James Carville asking for money. He's like, I just, I need a, bu-. he's like, I need three fifty. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, but you know, like a dog would totally be into that. Like a cat. No, I don't, no. I don't think so. I don't think so. My cat, maybe, cause he's a good cat, but. There are, there are rare cats that will do, that will deign to do tricks, but you're, you really got to make it worth their while. Yeah, like I, with with cats, it's like you can pretty much train cats to do one trick, and that <laughs> trick is shitting in a box. But if you only had one trick, that's the that's the best one for a cat to have. Cats you know? hate this one weird trick. <laughs> Invented by a teacher. <laughs> well, I think that um, I think we can sweep up after ragtime. <laughs> yes well thanks thanks for having me i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go get drink some liquid iv now oh smart you know remember go to liquidiv.com put in code h-y-s-t-p-o-d that's hist pod get 20 percent off i'm excited to get hydrated at 20 percent off Woo! just want to post. <laughs>